0: Hang on! Hang on! Fight! <laughs> Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song by song podcast about the greatest band of all time, they might be giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I'm here with Sean Crawford to talk about the song Dig My Grave off of Apollo 18. (laughs) hey greg what's up dude how you doing i'm doing good uh i've been connecting with so many people through this podcast but you're one of the uh you're the first guest in a while i've had where it's an in real life friend guest
1: yeah well technically we met on the internet technically uh, sure yeah but we've seen
0: each other in person on more than one occasion uh, yeah since then (laughs) yes um we met through Punk News, who hosts yeah. this show. Yeah, because uh, I started.
1: I started as a Punk News writer when I was like sixteen, and I do not think <laughs> anybody in, at the site knew how old I was when I uh, started doing stuff. Um, yeah, <laughs> how old are you now? Uh, I am a month away from turning twenty-one. I've uh, oh. I, I just uh, cracked this this non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> I've, is it really non-alcoholic beer? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've actually, wow. I've never had non-alcoholic beer before, but uh, yeah, How so, is uh, it? it's it's decent. <laughs> yeah. I remember I, I was I was listening to some other podcast recently where they were talking about. I'm stealing this take from somebody else. It was either it's either Back to the Island or uh, Road to the Skeleton Coast, both other musicians podcasts. But mm-hmm. um, Brendan Kelly's some, the,
0: the the latter. But who Brendan Kelly? Yeah, oh, arms. Back Who's to the, the Island. First one?
1: Yeah, Back to the Island, it's uh, mainly Jeff Rosenstock and Chris Farron, and they talk about oh. uh, Lost, the TV show, but they, they talk about oh. it episode by episode, and they do it completely out of order, so they have no idea what's going on. Uh, so That's amazing. It's cool concept for a show, but I, uh, I'm i just catching up on it yeah. uh, these days. <laughs> I'm trying I to get, Lost until like, this past year. So.
0: Yeah, I watched it way late, too. I'm trying to get Jeff uh, on this podcast via Mike uh, Park. We'll see if that happens, because I know nice. Jeff is a fan but we yeah, shall see you, he's you a had busy connections
1: man with uh i mean obviously you had brendan kelly on, on your other podcast too yeah. but uh yeah have you have you tried getting him on here i'm i'm, I'm curious what his uh relationship <laughs> with, with they might be giants would be yeah
0: yeah you know i should ask him if he's a fan it's funny because uh, i can never assume that anyone is or isn't a fan because there's such a hard band to uh it's hard to pin down when people like they might be giants it's hard to you can't just automatically guess what other bands they like Cause they might be giants are just kind of their own thing. Like my first like bigger name guest was Hutch Harris from the thermals who a lot of people out there probably didn't know, especially that were listening to this podcast. But to me like fucking lived on the thermals for forever. They're amazing. Um, And finding out, you know, someone like that as a fan of they might be giants was a little surprising and then it just kind of kept popping up. But
1: yeah, yeah, I, I listened should, to that uh, Bob Mana episode. That was that was yeah. a great one. That was really cool to hear, kind of his relationship with them, especially like as you know, I love his stuff, but like I'd never heard. Uh, I mean, I guess with Hey Mercedes, it's a bit of a clearer line, but uh, yeah, i right. never, I'd never, I would never uh, guess that influence for sure.
0: Yeah, and then well, you listened to the Erase episode. He also did an episode. Well, he was also on the Birdhouse and You're So Alive episode. Um, but then he did nothing's gonna change my clothes with me last year and we collaborated on a cover for that and so getting to because i played the drums and bass on it and then he did the guitar and the vocals getting to be the rhythm section for bob Nana was (laughs) it was like blowing my mind and how he made that song kind of sound hey mercedes ish like Cara was listening back to it and she's like I could if I didn't already know this was they might be I'd just be like, that's a Hey Mercedes song. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep, he yeah. really nanted it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you were, you were saying you had some take uh that you got off one of those podcasts. What what, what uh and then we rolled on to a tangent.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was uh Brandon Kelly who was who was talking about how uh with non alcoholic beers, it's uh it's interesting that they're called non alcoholic beers when the only people who ever seem to drink them are alcoholics. <laughs>
0: I just think it's funny that, you know, you're in your own place and, you know, you could just, you know, someone could procure you beer it wouldn't be that tricky and uh, just crack <laughs> yeah, it I'm open a, on I'm, this podcast, but
1: I'm, I'm a month away anyways, but yeah,
0: <laughs> you are a, uh,
1: you're uh, an honest I'm boy. 20, I, yeah, I'm, I'm 20 years old and, uh, definitely have not ever had a real beer.
0: or any other type of substance i'm sure for sure yeah Yeah, i've had a big age range of guests on here um but you're not the youngest uh episode that just posted today as of us recording this uh say uh a 16 year old dude from ireland from dublin yeah and we talked about the song i'm not a loser which they might be giants wrote for the spongebob musical
1: Huh? Interesting. Yeah, that was a fun one. Is it um, more or less homophobic than the, the Descendants one?
0: <laughs> Wait, oh, I'm not a loser. Oh yeah, yeah. People listening to this are like, what? Yes, oh, there yeah. is a there is an old punk song that did not age very well. Also called yeah. I'm Not a Loser. Yes, this.
1: <laughs> yeah. What is what is the makeup of your demographic? Is it mostly people who are kind of coming from that punk news background, or is it people? Not who anymore.
0: I don't think. Not anymore. Huh? I, I think at first, um, it was, but like, I don't even post articles on punk news about this uh each episode anymore unless it's like a pretty notable guest that i think people over there would know um i think that's where people were coming from first and like you know if they were looking up punk news podcasts on the their app or whatever it would have turned up and maybe they'd listen but um now i think i mean it's kind of uh the fan base for the podcast is really kind of blown up a bit and it's definitely it's definitely more um tmbg super nerd fans like myself now um but i I, i'd I'd like to think that there's some good crossover but yeah it's hard when i get um punk friends on or even people that i know in real life where we just start talking like in shorthand or whatever and we i gotta realize like that you know people on here probably don't a lot of them probably don't know who the lawrence arms are or who Jeff rosenstock is I'll get those boys on, and then introduce people to them. Jeff
1: Rosenstock, he's starting to he's starting to branch out in terms of his audience, and I feel like the they might be Giants crowd isn't too far from where he's kind of starting to branch out towards. So yeah, I, I, see I think a lot uh, of, they might be Giants fans might be might be starting to starting to overlap a lot more than than they might have previously.
0: And I do feel like there's uh, I am starting to see some crossover on especially my. Facebook shit posting groups and stuff yeah. between <laughs> they might be giant shitposts and uh Rosenstock shitposts and mountain goats too. I've got a lot of friends who are in like all
1: three of those. because yeah, I noticed you had an episode with uh was it Peter Gr- Peter Gretsch? Peter Gritch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I know him, but I only know him uh from Jeff R- I don't I don't know. I, I think know he's a mod
0: long. I think he's a mod on the Rosenstock. Yeah.
1: Page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah,
0: solid dude. He's a good guy. Um, yeah, so it, it's always hard to guess, uh, you know, what musicians or, you know, indie-level celebrities might be into, yeah. they might be giants, uh, and it's usually kind of a nice surprise to find that stuff out, and then if I can get them on the pod, I mean, it seems like uh, when people people are kind of proud of their Team BG fandom, like when someone's like, like Franz Nikolai from The whole city. When I don't even know how it came up on Twitter, but I just like tweeted a reply at him. I'm like, I something about. I think I had something to do with accordions. I'm like, hey, f- hey, friends, you're an accordion player. Do you like the Mighty Giants? He's like, yep. And so like, I'm like, uh, can I DM you? And, and then all and then he was on two episodes. I mean, it's it's crazy. We're like, hell yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And John Darnell from the Mountain Goats too. It was uh, yeah, yeah. I was actually it was tweeting about. Um, I think I asked my followers, what non-They Might Be Giants bands are you into? And the Mountain Goats were the one that came up the most. I mean, it was all over the map, but the Mountain Goats came up a lot. So I added him in in the tweets, and he's like, yeah, I remember getting their, uh, you know, they'll need a crane 12-inch single in 1988 or whatever. And I'm like, oh, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Man, Brendan Kelly would be a funny one to have on. He's just, that he's hysterical.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So... I, I love hearing about his process too. If uh, any anybody who's, who's uh, who is interested in in uh, music podcasts, I guess doing some some cross promotion. Like I, I think you've done some crossover too, right? I think I, yeah. I remember there was like an episode where they mentioned uh, this might be a podcast. I think they were talking about a recent. Or I guess they weren't. They were talking about Best Midwestern actually, because I think they were talking about an uh-huh. uh, interview you did with the, the colossal guys
0: um oh yeah yeah i did yeah. someone did tell me that they mentioned <laughs> that yeah, they mentioned yeah. us on that podcast That's pretty amazing yeah yeah bestman western hasn't posted any episodes in like six months but this uh <laughs> you know scott's doing his thing i do our schedule our work schedules are like completely different at this point because yeah. he's teaching at uh lessons at school rock in cleveland in the evenings and i'm teaching all day yeah. so it's like and he works on saturdays too it's been tough but also this this fucking project is taking up <laughs> All of my time. Um, there's just so many songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I made you wait forever to do this episode. It was kind of just like, it's funny because when I first started asking people, I mean, I think I asked you to be on even before I launched the first episode. Is that right? Yeah. 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 I
1: think that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so two years of change one, later.
1: I definitely knew about it when the first one went up. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because like just the floodgates opened soon after with people asking to be on, and <laughs> no pun like, no intended. I mean, right? <laughs> and uh, uh, the the guest levels were rising up. I don't know why I neglected you for so long. It's just you am <laughs> taking my real friends for granted, and that's just so mean <laughs> to me. But and also, I I think I don't think I've seen you in person for like two years either for when yeah. you guys uh when brian sees stars came here and recorded that was over two years ago right
1: yeah yeah so i was in i was in an emo band or i, I say it was it's it's we're, we're not super active these days just because we're living in different places but it's not like we actually broke up uh but i was i, I played drums in a in a band called brian c stars and uh, we recorded at, at greg's studio uh it was an awesome experience yeah but i don't think i've, I've seen you since then
0: yeah um Let's and, play uh, at the end of the episode. Let's play uh, one of those songs. Yeah, for
1: sure. Um, and it, t- it yeah. took me. It took me uh, two. Uh, what is it? Two and a half. Yeah, two and a half years for me to finally send you the uh, the CD <laughs> because uh, <laughs> I, re- I remember. Uh, I remember like a, a few months afterwards. I like it. I, it was definitely way too long. Uh, I definitely waited too long. By that point, where where I was like, okay, I'm finally going to do it. I'm going to send this. CD. It was maybe like six months after uh, we recorded it. And, and, you know, you were saying like, I really like the CD. And I went to oh. the post office and it was like 12 bucks. I'm like, at this point, that's not a super financially uh, viable option <laughs> for me right now. I was, go I, was, media, I, was in, I was in real real thin margins, but these days I'm, I'm doing, a lot, doing a lot better. I don't know if it was exactly 12 bucks, but I think that's what it mm. costs these days. But these days, 12 bucks is it's is less of a uh as less of a financial hit for me than it was that's
0: good that's good but yeah i uh i frame i haven't put i haven't put it up yet but i frame all the uh cds and records i produce oh, yeah. so yeah i was wanting to frame that i'm like dude send me one like every six months or something i'd be bugging you guys and yeah. then uh and then you're like oh shit i'm gonna be on
1: yeah, this, podcast I like, this I, week I, 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 this, I can't avoid it anymore. I can't uh, <laughs> be on a. I'm gonna be on a call. I uh, I gotta get out ahead of this one. But
0: you didn't tell me it was finally coming. I just went and got yeah. the mail. Yeah, and Cara's like, "What is this? <laughs> <laughs> were
1: you expecting something?" I'm Like, no. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, you were for 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 long enough that I would not blame you for forgetting that you were expecting totally it. Totally <laughs> giving up
0: hope. And yeah, even though I mean, you guys uh, copied them yourselves, and the, I'm totally even though it's got i mean it's got the the booklet artwork which is awesome that you guys did yeah. and uh even though the cd is just a cdr i'm totally putting it in the frame
1: <laughs> yeah i totally <laughs> forgot i think uh scott wrote a bunch of stuff on on the cds I'm, I'm forgetting exactly what what the what what it was it was like some weird shit it was there's uh,
0: nothing written on this one oh yeah no I, I i
1: that one doesn't have anything written on it but when we were uh because I mean, a lot of them. That those are probably ones that I made, and since they never made it to uh, to a show, because we haven't played a show since. Sure. Well, I guess we did. We did do a show in the winter before COVID hit, which would have been 20, yeah. 20, 2019, winter twenty nineteen. Uh, or so I guess COVID probably had hit, but not it hadn't hit the states, right. um,
0: or we didn't know what it. was Yeah,
1: but meant. before that, we hadn't played a show in like six months. So yeah, we 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 haven't been like super active. Uh, but I mean, I'm doing other projects. I'm I'm in a bunch of bunch of different bands, and most of those are also kind of dormant. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, everyone's
0: been forced into hibernation past year yeah, passed here. yeah uh, at the end of the episode let's definitely uh, plug some more stuff we could play uh, oh, yeah. other clips of stuff too yeah, let's sure. let's get back to the topic uh, that we're supposed to be talking about which yeah. is at least usually seventy five percent of the episodes <laughs> uh, how did you get into they might be giants
1: yeah so I think I think when you first asked me to be part of the podcast I was kind of like I mean I don't I don't know. I, I I love to talk about music, so I'd I'd be down to do it. But I think it's not that I don't like They Might Be Giants, but I was definitely not super heavy into them. And these days, I'm definitely more into them than I was. But I, they're 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 one of those bands where they're definitely they're definitely a band where it's like if you if you really like them, then there's like a kind of separation between people who who just kind of casually like They Might Be Giants and people who like. Are, have been into them their entire life i think you know scott who i was mentioning earlier from brian c stars he's like super into they might be giants doesn't talk about it a ton but he was like theorizing that it's just the kind of thing where it's like if you get into them at a young enough age it's 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 really a a kind of a matter of uh kind of a matter of like when you get into them if if you have that kind of connection at, from a as at, at, from like a young age um I think I'm talking in circles at this point. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, no. I, I guess get that's you. with every band. But they might be giants. I feel like I've, you kind of notice it's a bit more intense with the, that uh, that concept. Is, is a bit more intense around the, the fandom around, around them.
0: It's also it, – they're a band that breeds obsessives like myself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And they're also a band that I think part of – the reason that I, I never I never got like super heavy into them is they were also one of those bands where I kind of almost felt like I almost felt like I had to like them in a way not because uh, <laughs> Because they ticked all the right boxes for me like there's there's so much cool stuff about them. I love everything uh, just conceptually about the band mm-hmm. um, And most of their music doesn't really stick with me. I, I do come back to their albums a lot, but uh, the one person that I've talked about uh, They Might Be Giants with a ton and who has really kind of guided my entire experience with them is my friend Brendan, uh, who has a project called Paper Towels. I feel like, you know, anybody who who enjoys They Might Be Giants, is, that, that's definitely his biggest influence. And uh, there's such a it's such a cool project. It's just him. He used to be in a band called Bad Jokes, which is like a skate punk band. Um, And he's just like an incredible songwriter. And so he's kind of like, oh, I I love talking with him about music because he's the type of person where he like dislikes almost all music. And there's like, there's like (laughs) 10 10 or so bands that he's like loves, you know? Yeah. Um, So...
0: So That's like, funny. I feel like they might be Giants fans are usually the opposite. Usually, very, very yeah. open-minded crowd because they might <laughs> be Giants are such a versatile, you know, eclectic kind of band. It's yeah. funny. <laughs> like <laughs> I only like ten bands, and they might Be Giants made the cut.
1: Yeah, although <laughs> although they they are uh, they are kind of a, some a somewhat diverse crop of of bands, um, you know, or, or artists, I should say, just mm-hmm. in general. He's he's definitely kind of a pretty uh, eclectic type of music listener, although he doesn't like, you know, get deep into certain stuff. Cause it all starts to sound the same to him. At least, at least <laughs> I, I feel like maybe, maybe, maybe I'm projecting too much in, into his opinion. I, I feel like I, I'm just going to spend this entire he'll, podcast talking about yeah. Brendan, but uh, he'll
0: have to come on to explain yeah. himself,
1: but he's, he's covered, uh, he's covered a few songs. Oh, nice. Was he the one that introduced you to the might be giants? He definitely wasn't the one who introduced me to them, but he is definitely a lens through which I view the band for, for, Ooh. uh,
0: well, do you remember the first
1: instance when you would have heard them? I mean, they're the, they're one of those bands where I mean, I guess you, like so. I mean, what what year did you get into them?
0: Ninety
1: two or ninety three? <laughs> yeah. So like, I was born in two thousand. So it's hard uh-huh. to say when the first when my first exposure to them would have be because would have been because. Uh, they're so omnipresent in, in so many different ways. Like, I don't yeah. know. I remember watching Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, of course. So, like, <laughs> you know, like, I was I was like a kid when that was on. So, like, yeah. so, I mean, in that sense, I would say that. But, like, there's even, you know, the chance that I could have had some sort of exposure to them before that. Uh, yeah. I just don't yeah. even know what, what my first exposure would have been. Um hot dog hot dog.
0: Haven't done that episode yet, but I do have someone signed up for both the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse theme and yeah. hot dog. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. They did another children's theme, right? I mean I know they did Malcolm <sighs> in the Middle, but uh
0: They've done tons did they of children. Do shit. A different, oh, shit. Did
1: they do a different like children's show? Um
0: let me see. Oh the uh higley Town Heroes. Uh, I don't I'm not familiar with that one. <laughs> um let's see themes maybe not i feel like i mean they've done i mean they've done like they did a song in home movies called taste the fame they've done you know they did like the oblongs theme i don't know they've they've done a ton of ton of shit and like
1: so interesting finding out like that type of stuff where it's like you know shows that you watched as a kid and finding out like actual bands with like actual followings uh behind I, i don't think i learned until like a couple of years ago that uh simple planned the what's new scooby-doo theme song uh <laughs> yeah and then, okay, uh, the giants
0: did do the oblongs yes uh i don't think i'm familiar
1: with that one either
0: yeah oh, the, ob- the oblongs uh before will Farrow was like gigantic he he did a voice for that <laughs> what, he was like an armless and legless creature i don't know what is, i don't know what the deal was with that this, show this, it was is weird. Bu-
1: this is before us now
0: <laughs> i think uh no i think it might have been during but this was um it was an adult swim show oh, okay yeah. so that's not so something i was weird.
1: watching as a kid
0: <laughs> no 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 definitely not uh, definitely you. not but i was just trying to think of other cartoons they did yeah i don't know um as far as kids shows yeah they did a commercial for okay you know they did a song for a commercial for dexter's laboratory
1: huh interesting
0: yeah yeah, I think I at at some they're they're all around. I might,
1: have, I might have confused them with uh with the bowling for soup uh the piteous and Ferb song.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean they might be giants. I remember uh, uh which one of my guess was it? It might have been uh Marcus from um, Pet Cemetery. He said the first songs he ever heard were of them were no, it probably wasn't him. someone was telling me that the first songs I ever heard by them were "Doctor Worm" and "Boss of Me," both which have horns in them, and huh. they assumed that they were a ska band. <laughs> <laughs> do they have any ska songs? I feel like. I mean, "Boss of Me" has the has the upstroke. Yes, no, maybe. Yeah, you know, it's got that, and then the "You're Not the Boss of Me" big horns in it. Yeah, they can do anything, man. Yeah. Um, yeah there's some other more obscure things that kind of have Scott elements but that's that's the biggest one for sure um so you're saying that some of their music doesn't really stick with you what uh you mean like are you are you one of those guys well, that that focuses on like the more classic era stuff or what or a newer era stuff what uh what of their stuff does speak to you and why
1: uh it's it's mostly so what's interesting about them is like I tend to really kind of this goes into what I was saying earlier about how I feel like I definitely should like them. Like all the elements are there because I really kind of do like interesting melodies and interesting song structures. And I can recognize how interesting the, uh, just the compositions themselves are. Uh, Mm -hmm. But a lot of times there's something about the presentation that, that sometimes kind of lacks that bite for me in, in terms of just the, the broad context of their discography. Um, and obviously, that there are some exceptions to that. I think uh, the song that we're going to get into today is a, is yeah. a great example. Yeah. Um, but it, it's the type of thing where we're almost sometimes when listening to they might be giants, I almost feel like I'm in a like music theory class, and like I should be like <laughs> this, this song was created so it could be dissected, and we could figure out like why this works with this, which is cool. Like I, I very much like am interested in in that kind of their their interesting approach to songwriting um at different times especially knowing uh one of them is like when they started didn't have any experience with music theory right like i i know uh, one of them one of them was like a like a music theory major right and the other one was basically kind of clueless to that type of stuff other than you know I mean, how to play I wouldn't say
0: that they were both in bands before they might yeah, be Yeah, there's
1: a difference between being in a band, though, and like being right. like, into like music theory and like knowing like all, all like the kind of exactly what you're doing. You know?
0: I mean, I think I mean it's a little fuzzy, it's a little hazy. They 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 don't make a whole lot of their personal uh, lives uh, public, but I think they were more like, well, they met in the doing the high school newspaper, so I think they were yeah. more into like writing and visual arts and stuff yeah. like that. But as far as uh, I don't think either of them were music majors, honestly. I'd I'd have to huh. check into that. Yeah, I'm not,
1: I'm not super deep into that world either. I just have a very surface level understanding. But it's the type of thing where you can definitely tell that there's something uh, kind of more complex going on in in a lot of their songs, uh, just from a melodic standpoint. Um, which is like cool, but it, at the same time, I almost I almost feel like I can't sink into it at certain points. There are exceptions to that for sure. So
0: John um, Flansburgh went to George Washington University. He learned to play guitar while working as a parking garage attendant. <laughs> I guess when no huh. one was coming through, he had his guitar in the booth with him. And then he went to Antioch College and Pratt Institute, where he graduated with an arts degree. Huh. Yeah, and uh, Linnell. Yeah, I always assume that I always go to the the fan wiki.
1: Yeah,
0: I don't. I don't usually go to Wikipedia because usually uh, there's not <laughs> nearly as much there. Well, um, uh, let's see about Linnell. Uh, Linnell studied English for a semester at the University of Massachusetts Amherst before dropping out to pursue a career in music. Well, how did I not know that, that Linnell didn't finish college? I I kind of assumed they were both, you know, college boys. But, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> they funny. do feel like a very college rock kind of band for for the most part and that's the lens that i feel like i can i can usually get into them the most through because i feel like the way that they've always been pitched to me has kind of almost been in a way where the kind of there's, there's so much kind of interesting lore around the band and so much interesting uh kind of backstory that uh, yeah. A lot of times, it almost seems like I, I, I like I like a lot of the songs, but sometimes that like almost comes secondary, and it's it's the the kind of uh, they're they're kind of just the soundtrack to this this concept of the band, which is definitely <laughs> a very interesting way to go about it. But it might kind of have something to do with the way that I don't connect because it sometimes doesn't live up to that uh, I guess almost expectation in a way.
0: Mm. Well, I think, I think what I'm getting is that, I mean, so we met through punk music and you're, I mean, primarily into punk and emo music, which is stuff that usually shows its emotions more on its sleeve. You know, there's a lot more in the vocal delivery, whereas the emotions and they might be giants lyrics are made more within, within the lyrics than within the singing. Like there's, there's, you know, there's occasions where you'll get screaming, like in this song that we're going to talk about. Um, but yeah, it's more like there's, I mean, there's plenty about emotions and usually depression <laughs> is the main emotion in yeah. the giant songs and anxiety yeah. and, and that kind of stuff. But they're not singing l- as if they're anxious. Yeah. They're not singing as if they're depressed. It's just, you know, it's in the lyrics in some super catchy yeah. melody. And yeah. So it's if you didn't, it's if a more didn't
1: understand English, you would you would never get that vibe from them, I don't think.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you were someone who's, uh, that wasn't your main language, you'd be like, this is such yeah. a happy band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So why did you pick, uh, dig my grave?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I we've almost I feel like been dancing around it, but the, I think, uh, it's, it's definitely a song that that kind of subverts that in a way it's way more straightforward and, uh, it's, there's, there's a lot more energy in it than I think a lot of the other, they might be giants that I've I've listened to. Um, -hmm.
0: I think, yeah, again, I think it's that, uh, that idea of energy being that they're, you know, not, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd say their songs have plenty of energy. They're not a band that has like a ton of ballads, Mm -hmm. but they're not like, you know, when they play live, they used to throw themselves all over the stage when they were young enough to do so. Yeah. But like through their music, maybe you wouldn't picture that because again, it's more kind of... That hidden, the hidden the the punk and post punk influences that they have, which they definitely do, yeah. are you know they're not they're tucked down a little bit more mixed in with all the other weird influences that they have. Yeah. Um but yeah, as far as the, their image goes, like you were saying, like um they are not trying to be any band other than themselves, which is like there's kind of this effortless effortlessly uncoolness about them. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's so cool. And that's yeah. one of the things <laughs> that I
1: really love about them in concept and can really respect is is just how unapologetically themselves they are. Right. So dig my grave.
0: I can safely say this is one of their more punk rock songs. Yeah. And I, I would say so. Yeah, and oh, let me just click over to the. Chord progression here. I was looking at it earlier. I believe it's just four chords, which is all you mm-hmm.
1: need. Let's see: A well, minor, then, C, G,
0: D minor, B. Okay, there's five. Yeah, there's five say, chords. Then
1: once it gets into the kind of there's there's really just two parts that it switches between. And yeah, uh, there's the part. Yeah, there's the one part that's the four chords, and then it just kind of lingers on. What, what what's what's that uh what's that it, chord that it,
0: it sits on the, a b for the every time i look in your, it's just almost like a pre-chorus or it's, it's yeah, a, yeah what's, just, what's the
1: structure of this song just chorus <laughs> chorus, chorus pre-chorus well chorus, okay it's chorus, got chorus. It's,
0: it's got a very distinctive intro right oh true. <laughs> yeah. so it's kind of like a chill little and it's definitely like mastered in a way that the album starts out you know it's the album opener Starts out, you're like, oh, this is pretty chill, and yeah. then all of a sudden, dun, 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 dun. and which- so yeah, it's got an intro. I'd say intro, chorus, verse, chorus, and then if you want to call that really, really a guitar solo, which I would, uh, and then verse, chorus.
1: In terms of album, album openers, up to this point, do they really have many openers that like really kick in like that, like have have that that immediate? I mean, before Apollo Eighteen, because this is the this is the first right. isn't this the first album with with live drums?
0: No, uh, John nah. Henry, the one after this. This is the first album where they toured with live musicians. Oh, so this, it, is, this doesn't even
1: have live drums on it?
0: Nope, it's still huh. all them. Uh, it's still all them. Uh, the live versions we'll talk about later do have live yeah. drummers on them. But this is a uh, yeah. I guess it must be really really well programmed drum machine. I was actually yeah. looking into it a little bit. Well, at the very
1: um, least, I mean, the albums before this. They're not trying to sound like they have lab drums, right? They they sound like drum machines, right?
0: Yeah, and I think it's definitely uh, kind of they came up with the technology. Like, I mean, when they started out in '82, like drum machines were very primitive, yeah. And like hip hop was in its very early days, so like you know the the. The want for drum machines, I mean, I guess they were using them in disco and stuff like that. They've been drum machines since way back, but like the need for, like the public's need for drum machines on the market, I think, you know, things were pretty simple. And so as they progressed, like I actually looked up a Tumblr post of theirs how each album they did uh, by themselves, they were using a different drum machine on each album because their first one came out in 86 and then 88 and then 90. And then this was 92. And they were buying the cool stuff when it would come out and we're using it on those albums on their, uh, Tumblr. Yeah. I was just looking at this. Some guy asked, which drum machines did you guys used to use? The earliest they used was a micro Moog synthesizer tracked up. He says, I don't know. They were using the sounds from that to make a drum machine. Then the boss, Dr. Rhythm original issue. Then a uh, DMX on loan from one of their friends. And then on the pink album, their debut in 86, it was a Yamaha RX 15, on Lincoln, it was an Alesis HR16. On Flood, Apollo 18. It was a Casio FZ1 sampler, and then also on Apollo 18, it was a Roland R8. And I'm thinking on this in on this song, it's probably the Roland R8. And I'm just picturing uh, at the end when the tempo's increasing. I mean, maybe there's a way to program it, but I'm just imagining them like tracking the drum machine because tracking a drum machine is hilarious like just going like a quarter inch out of like this box and then into the interface of whatever they're recording onto. And I'm just imagining one of them just like hitting the tempo button yeah. on the drum machine as it speeds up. They're just like speed up, speed up, speed up. speed
1: up. That <laughs> is one thing I love about this song is, is the way that it speeds up at the end and kind of, it has that urgency in that way. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's not like they get really messy, but it, it does feel a bit less pristine once it starts, it starts getting, uh, Mm-hmm. getting a bit faster and starts getting a bit more intense
0: yeah and we'll hear that in the live versions too even with human yeah. musicians um i would yeah yes i love the the chaotic nature of the song and it starts out kind of pretty with a <laughs> just kind of you know kind of all put together and then as it kicks off you got some pretty fuzzy uh guitars and then that guitar solo is so chaotic it's kind of in the tradition of like lou reed solos where it's like you're not worrying about the notes that you're playing are talking about the very end uh in the middle when it goes to the it's like a breakdown after the first or i guess it'd be the second chorus like he goes all the way up his fretboard and then it kicks into the second verse every time you call my name yeah uh yeah, it's end, like you know he's exactly not trying to play certain notes. He's just mashing up the fretboard, and it sounds so awesome. And this is yeah. this is the Flansburg guitar style that I love. And this is the kind of thing you don't really hear in their songs anymore because he's not really the lead guitarist anymore. He's typically the rhythm guitarist, and uh, Dan Miller's the lead guitarist. I'm you know Dan Miller would have no problem doing something like this because. Again, it's just smashing down stuff, but it's having the idea about doing it and like being in that moment to just go berserk and just not give a shit is like that Flansburg punk influence coming through.
2: Yeah. I love it.
1: That's one of the things that sets this song apart for me from a, from a lot of the other They Might Be Giants that I've listened to. Um, it, it's like it does kind of have that unhinged nature to it in a more, in a more direct way.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Have you ever heard the song off John Henry uh, Stompbox?
1: I think I. I think I have. Uh, but I. I don't recall it at this moment.
0: <laughs> I did the episode on this just a few months ago, and it's their other. What I would call their their, you know, these two would be probably the most punk songs they've ever done. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna send you over. Messenger a link to this real quick because I just want you yeah. to to hear it on air here let's
1: see yeah and listen to this now it sounds uh it sounds a lot like (laughs) like dig my grave it kind (laughs) of has that exact same bounce to it
0: yeah Uh (laughs) so good that same distorted vocals
1: and the same kind of organ like is is that no yeah the, the organ kind of accentuating uh the uh the guitar chords with with well, those uh, with that bounce.
0: You know, according to the credits on the wiki, at least.
1: I guess maybe accordion.
0: There is no John Linnell on "Dig My Grave." Huh. So. The organ that I think you're imagining was in the song is because I sent you those live versions, and there is keyboards on the live versions. But in the uh, studio version, it's Flansburg on the vocal, Flansburg on the guitar, and then we also need to talk about the violin and the cello that's in there by Mark Feldman and Garo Yellen. Um, But I don't think it necessarily means that Linnell isn't on the track. There's also... There's either synth bass or bass guitar. I think it is bass guitar, which Linnell has has played some of in the early days. So Linnell could be on bass and just not credited, or he's playing a synth bass that's not credited. And he also could have programmed the drum machine. So it's like, it's not, I, I would highly doubt that Linnell was not involved in this song writing or recording at all, but it's definitely a Flansburg tune. And I do wish that organ that pops up in the live versions. Uh, was in the original, because I do think it really helps propel it, just those eighth notes going, just like those chunky eighth note chords going yeah. on the organ. Um, oh, but yeah, those vocals, the, uh, I was looking into this, I found a press release for the album where he talks about like a book ending of the, the album, Dig My Grave, starting off with those distorted vocals. He actually did run the vocals through a guitar fuzz pedal, Huh. so like it wasn't something done in post it was to tape through a guitar pedal which i think is pretty awesome and you always got to think back to what it would have been like to record an album in 1992 yeah you know these days it'd be like <laughs> you know I hey, let me send you guys this first mix oh could you put some distortion on those vocals sure thing how much what kind <laughs> you know and then you just do yeah. whatever but here it's like yeah you had to you had to commit yeah and I'm not sure about. I mean, I'd like to think on the song Stompbox that they ran his vocals through a stompbox. I'm <laughs> pretty sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What do you think about a uh, uh, string section here on a punk song? What do you think
1: of that? I mean, that's, uh, I, yeah. As, as I was saying, that that's definitely the part we we were using the word unhinged earlier, and that's that's the the part that kind of really kind of takes takes over the top for me more more so than than the the guitar solo. Uh, I I just love the kind of how how frantic it sounds uh towards the <laughs> yeah. end <laughs> yeah you didn't you have the guy from uh from world inferno on on it at one point
0: well franz nikolai from the whole city is also in he's in world inferno yeah
1: yeah where it almost kind of has that vibe in a way where where you're playing uh, with those 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 aggressive kind of fast pace a bit again not sloppy but a, a bit uh just, there's something almost off about it, and and the strings <laughs> yeah. really kind of add to that tension, and they they add to that to that feeling of of chaos. In a way.
0: Yeah, cool. yeah, and, and it's fun to hear strings in that context because you'd usually think of like, let's hire a string section for this little uh you know this love song or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this uh the strings like the the intervals, but the jumps between the notes on that part is so. Bizarre, like coming up with that melody must have been crazy. Just like, you think those it's are just... real,
1: real strings, or do you think there's
0: no, they're real strings? Real strings? It's, it's Mark Feldman on violin and Gary Yellen on cello. And Gary Yellen was briefly in um, Per who um. I think he may have been the one that, or at least he was some way connected to them getting their first human bassist mm-hmm. who I just talked to on the show. Uh, Tony, uh, Maimonay was in the bass player in pair Ubu. And then on the first, the first human bassist in they might be giants and Gary Yellen, the guy that plays cello on this song and many other, they might be Giants songs, uh, was briefly in pair Ubu. So the cellist has some, uh, he's got some, some avant-garde and, and punk, chops yeah. for a cellist yeah.
1: and yeah. i always think that's a really you know. cool kind of uh side by side is having that aggression but then bring in instruments that are usually kind of reserved for more i guess you were saying yeah elegant kind of romantic a bit um uh, although i mean yeah i guess that's that's ignoring a, a, a. but but bring bring that into kind of a more aggressive song structure i mean there's, 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 there are a lot of I, there are a lot of bands that kind of play with that in a way, but uh, I'm I'm trying to think of like bands from around that time that would have been doing so. Because when did this album come out? This was ninety two. Ninety two.
0: Mhm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I I feel like a lot of that experimentation, like you, you hear a lot of that stuff in like you know late '90s, early two thousands, in, in punk and emo. I mean, I guess, obviously, the obvious examples are, I guess, like, yellow card or cursive. <laughs> Those are the two ways you yeah. can go with it. Right. Um, but then, I mean, with with a lot of, like, yeah.
0: Um, and don't forget about Murder by Death, if you
1: want, they're at least punk adjacent. Yeah, Murder by Death never really clicks for me for some reason. Oh, I don't know. Oh. I, I, I enjoy them, but.
0: Adam Turles, been on the podcast. He's a They Might Be Giants fan. Yeah. You never realize it. Yeah, Mark <laughs> Feldman, the violinist, uh, he played on a bunch of uh stuff around this era. I mean, he was on he's on Birdhouse, he's on Istanbul, he's on We Wanna Rock, he's on some uh Monopuff and Linnell solo stuff. So he's he's been all over stuff mostly mostly in the nineties. And yeah, Gary Yellen with those punk influences and he's on stuff all over their major label stuff, especially. I like think when they can afford those extra guys, you know, he was on um yeah. Uh XTC versus Adam Ants, S E X X Y exquisite dead guy. Uh Yeah, super yeah. cool,
1: super I guess cool. We, we also keep referring to it as a punk song, but almost in a way. I mean, and it does kind of have that punky energy, but it almost feels like it's it in the it is in the way that uh, you know it could also just be coming from a completely different uh, perspective entirely. Like, I, I mean, I know we have the context of of them having those influences but it almost feels like it could be coming from like a a polka direction or or like a you know (laughs) with with the drums are just kind of like one two like kick snare kick snare kick snare uh sure i mean
0: yeah i mean how different is a polka beat from a a double time punk beat i mean it's got the snare it's got the snare on the ands so you know it's like yep yeah i mean it's you know when they speed it up live it sounds unmistakably punk but yeah i can yeah. see you know if there was accordion in this song maybe that's why they were like no accordion on this one it would sound yeah. too polka <laughs> yeah other than the famous polka that's the only time they've had a song that they've really i think they've tried to avoid that genre since then just because you know Weird Al embraces it having his polka medleys on every yeah. episode on every album um but i think they might be giants probably just want to you know let's the the accordion is too easy to get pulled into being associated with polka so they i think they kind of put that aside early yeah. on after that was
1: like what we were talking about earlier with like you know any 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 punk band that like brings in horns people start like saying ah it's 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 like it's like they're being influenced by ska when like they could be coming from a completely different direction entirely you start bringing certain like certain elements and uh, people just associate them with other genres regardless of whether they uh whether they actually fall into those genres. And so, like, you know, people hearing accordion and and immediately thinking polka is not too far of a stretch.
0: Right, yeah. That used to be a problem for my old man Blue Bottle, who yeah. I was with for, you know, like, for a decade, uh, like, 95 to 2005. Because when we started out, we did have a couple of ska songs, but, like, our guitar players were... Completely bored by just doing the upstrokes. Yeah. And so we got rid of those pretty early on, but like we'd still show up to a show with two trombones and a trumpet, and people were like, Oh, you guys Scott band And then after Scott was like kind of starting to fade away, you know, in the early aughts, then we were still going and Scott was like totally uncool. <laughs> so we started, Scott was cool, and we were still going when Scott was uncool. And we we're like, oh my god, there's Scott band I'm gonna go take a smoke break. <laughs> but but I, we don't have that problem now in Outdoor Velour now that we have fleshed out to the five piece and have two saxophonists. We've, we haven't had anyone... I don't. I can't think of a single time where someone's been like, oh, are you guys a ska man? Or, oh, are you guys a ska man? I don't think <laughs> it's even come up. Though guys is coming back, but it's just for yeah. us nerds, I think, that Sky's kind of starting to come back. Back to um, Dig My Grave. So, yeah, it's a very simple song... Structure-wise,
1: and and melodically too. Like I mean, the hook is is just one note.
0: (laughs) Take my grave. Yeah, it's just kind of a yelled. Take my grave. One note, and then and then the verses are really just one note too. Yeah. Every time I look, there's that little kind of like bend. look in your eyes, I see Saint Peter wave. Take my grave. So really, yeah, yeah, really, the whole vocal melody is basically two notes in total.
1: I I think that's that's kind of cool conceptually i love when like artists can yeah the, it, and i think it's always really cool when like you can take just a single note and and just change the context around it to kind of make it feel like it's emotion in a certain way like i remember uh like recently i was like listening to like mr Brightside and just you think about that the song and, like yeah. that that entire song like probably has like five notes in the vocals entirely and the chorus is like that big hook is is one is
0: one note, but it yeah. like just feels so huge. Yeah, yeah. And, I'm a cab and yeah. it's just one note. The whole yeah, the thing. chorus
1: too. Until the second half, it's like then it starts. It starts branching out a bit. But the first half of that chorus too, it like feels so yeah. huge, and it's it's just it's just a single note over and over again.
0: <laughs> this song being so simple. Uh, and aggressive for them going right into i palindrome i as the second track on apollo 18 i'd I'd say this and i palindrome i were probably the reason i got hooked on the band because this was i've said that this was the first album i ever heard when a friend introduced me to them patrick mooney in 92 or 93 and i was previously just listening to yeah all punk stuff i mean that early probably not Sky yet i mean maybe a little bit maybe just starting to get into Scott stuff. That's still even pretty early for, for third wave to c- come around, you know, Op Ivy and stuff. Yeah. But
1: I don't know how much else, but this was the first album that I heard all the way through too. I guess we didn't really get into that in, in introduction, but I think the reason that this was probably the first album was cause you were like talking about it in like one of the episodes of the punk news podcast or <laughs> something. Um, and I brought it up on the punk news podcast. Uh, yeah, I think it was on the, uh, the, uh, exclusive cassette episode.
0: i just i just can't not talk about them yeah well
1: we were all talking about like whatever albums uh, you know we were currently currently our favorite albums or 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 whatnot yeah um and you you were talking about apollo 18 so i think that was the first one that i heard all the way through nice
0: (laughs) yeah and just hearing this song just so simple short fast going right into a john linnell song i palindrome i which is a little more cerebral and definitely more melodic um just like hearing those two things just like slam right into each other sounding like two different bands and i'm like what is going on here there's like there's something to this this is uh there's there's a lot here you know in in two tracks i'm like okay this band is intriguing me yeah (laughs) there's a lot going on here yeah (laughs) how about these lyrics then
1: yeah um (laughs) so, so how, how many lyrics do we have total at, at uh
0: <laughs> <laughs> well the the two verses are only two lines a piece so we've got every time i look in your eyes i see saint peter wave and then the second verse every time you call my name i hear the angels say and then the rest of us just dig my grave
1: <laughs> so so we're considering that part of a verse i guess that would make sense
0: yeah, that's what I'd yeah. say. I mean, they do kind of have a feeling of a pre-chorus. Yeah, I, it almost has a feeling of right? a pre-chorus,
1: although like contextually, it would make no sense to call it a pre-chorus, um, <laughs>
0: unless you just say the song has no verses.
1: Yeah, and unless yeah. it's just like chorus, pre-chorus, chorus, pre-chorus, and then chorus all the way. Because the song appears to be in A minor, which would make it both a pre-chorus and a post-chorus at the same time. <laughs> Well, the chorus is t- well. We got the one chorus.
0: Yeah, it goes into a, a verse or pre-chorus or yeah. whatever. Uh, then the second chorus goes into that solo, and then the last chorus is just go into that completely chaotic sped-up ending. But it, the song, I guess, is probably an A minor. I think yeah, it's probably you an could a call minor.
1: that a bridge. I guess.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. But if the song's an A minor and then you got a B. As the pre-chorus, yeah, I mean, it definitely, you know, you'd think if it was a verse, you'd probably start on that root chord and start on that A minor, but for a a verse to be on, you know, the second step of the scale, like, it just seems very, like, like, it wants to go somewhere, it doesn't want to sit on that, like, it just sounds very, like anxious this is again like showing their emotion through different ways it's like that kind of it's like it's anxious and that it wants to go to another chord it wants to resolve wants to go someplace else you usually don't sit on the the two chord yeah uh, <laughs> you know like you would a one or a five or a four uh so it, it that, that's kind of a pre-chorus trick you yeah. know you usually wouldn't have a verse that's just all on that second step of the scale um but yeah i mean it's just because they have different Lyrics, you could think of them as a verse because it's not the same lyric both times. But pre-choruses don't necessarily have to have the same vocal, uh, the same lyric either. So who knows? It's kind of fun to think of it as a song that has no verses. Yeah. (laughs) Though though I'd say up to this point, I'd probably say that the verse one, every time I look in your eyes, I see St. Peter wave. Verse two, every time you call my name, I hear the angels say... (laughs) So is this a guy who's about to meet his maker? Is that what the song's about then?
1: I mean, I, yeah, I guess I, I feel like I mean, I guess I obviously don't know what what the exact process and the exact uh, idea behind the song was, but it almost feels like it was a song written around just this phrase "dig my grave" and then. You know, kind of trying to evoke some imagery that that fits that general theme. I I, have, I obviously don't know where they were coming from in the first mm-hmm. place, but it, it does feel like that type of song where it's like, you know, it, it, they wrote it around that and and filled in uh, other other ideas that kind of fit that concept.
0: Right, yeah. I I, I like to think of this as like a response to flood coming like i always think of this as a darker album than flood i think most people would agree with me there though there's plenty of dark moments on flood but i think aesthetically it's a darker album and i think this is kind of a statement piece to start off the album oh you know us from birdhouse in your soul and particle man right well how about this (laughs) you know it's a song called dig my grave and it just you know kicks ass right out of the gate um but yeah you, m- you might be right there that it's just like um yeah and these guys that since they can write a million songs i mean even just you know a f- phrase about digging your own grave dig my grave could you know that's there we go we got a track for the m yeah. that that inspired a song yeah just all a right, couple more right. lyrics I wouldn't even
1: say it's like even the like the darkest that they'd gotten up to that point because I mean one of oh, one yeah. of the songs that did start to, to flip me on They Might Be Giants. We were talking about that kind of unsettling feeling, um, was uh Boat of a Car, which is like that's uh or boat boat of car. <laughs> boat of car, yeah. That song definitely piqued my interest, uh, again in a new way because it was just so dark and so kind of uh demented. Bizarre. And so I feel like uh or I, yeah, I guess I don't even know what the, uh, what the general interpretation of it was, but I, that was definitely one of those songs that Brendan brought up to me and, uh, was like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. You've probably already, I don't know if you've already done that episode and I guess that's a conversation yeah, dude, for another, I did it with for another uh, time,
0: but Adam Gorin of, uh, Adam and his package. That's right, I
1: listened to, uh, the, the first episode that you did with him. I, I do love Adam and his package.
0: Um, well we also did yeah, we did that one and he was also on a Patreon episode too, but we yeah. collaborated on a cover for uh Boat of Car. Yeah. And you can hear it on the episode or on uh nice. this might be a podcast podcast.bandcamp. Yeah. And uh we we get it done in under a minute. He he <laughs> insists that the tempos be cranked way up. <laughs> and I added punk drums to it. The original has no drums. I added drums to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh that song's dark in a different way other uh, mostly just like yeah unsettling yeah just yeah. like what the hell is going well, the, on here the
1: theory that i was pitched sorry to, to keep going up off, off the walls i think the theory that i was pitched was it was like somebody who like like drove off a bridge and was like like you know it's like had had their like child in the car or something like that that was like way darker than anything uh anything we're talking about here
0: Right, uh, like, your, your car ends up in the water, yeah. But it, Yeah, but
1: like, a more a more yeah, a more deliberate and darker undertone.
0: <laughs> yeah, Dig My Grave is almost, it's almost less dark just because they don't go into it all that much. Like, it's just, like, there's very few lyrics to latch onto there, whereas, like, one thing a lot of people quote is like being a surprisingly dark lyric that hooked them first was in, in Don't Let Start when says, uh, no one in the world ever gets what they want and that is beautiful. Everybody dies frustrated and sad and that is beautiful. Like that, that kind of encapsulates, you know, that was like their uh, thesis statement there for the band. You know, yeah. we're going to sing it in a very catchy way, but you're going to think about those lyrics and be like, wait, that's not... Oh, that kind of makes me sad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But dig my grave. It's more in your face about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's almost just like, so like in the center, uh, that it it like, you know, sometimes things kind of have a darker, more eerie aesthetic to them when they're a bit uh, less front and center, they're a bit more, uh, subversive under, under a few layers of, of metaphor. But this is just kind of like, you know it's kind of got a bit of a, a bit of a dark energy to it, but for the most part, it's just kind of got that, that it's, it's almost just kind of like a, just, just a a harder aesthetic, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think it makes more sense to be kind of outright about the darkness of the lyrics when it's a punk song. I mean, it, it gels more. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So like St. Peter is the guy at the gates of heaven, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's just like every time I look in your eyes, I see St. Peter wave, which is just hilarious to me. Like, yeah. St. Peter being like, sup? You know, it's like giving a wave. You know, he's looking in this person's eyes and they're going to kill him. I mean, on the interpretations tab of the wiki, the interpretations are either here's a guy that's about to die or this guy's about to kill someone. But I think it definitely makes more sense that he's the one that's about to be killed. I mean, he's saying dig my grave, not dig your grave.
1: Or it's just, or it's just a general kind of like the the feeling that this person gets around somebody else, like just this feeling of dread. It it could it could right. be like a less literal, yeah. uh You know, somebody makes you feel like you're gonna die, or right. Just, That's, just a general yeah. intimidation.
0: Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. They just can't. The, the yeah. They get the willies being around this person. Yeah. Every time you call my name, I hear the angels say, dig my grave. You better start digging your grave, dude. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I think it's pretty awesome to think about either way. And even with a song that has so few lyrics, the fact that you could interpret interpret it a couple of different ways, just, you know, th- that's, that's what makes this band so fun to have a podcast about. Yeah. It's not so literal. Yeah. or is it (laughs) that's that's like one of the early discussions with like dr worm it's like well he says i am an actual worm (laughs) that's the lyric i am an actual worm it's
1: like (laughs) it seems like it's meant to be taken at face value
0: (laughs) say no really fans on the internet i'm an actual worm don't even try to think about it any other way yeah yeah, this this is such a great song, and like I said, it's it's probably one of the main reasons that I got into the band. It I I think other than you know hearing uh, hearing them on Tiny Tunes and not knowing it was them, I mean my first like conscious like this is this band called They Might Be Giants. This was the first song I heard, knowing that it was They Might Be Giants. Yeah. So that's I mean it's a pretty important song in my fandom for sure.
1: Although interestingly, I was surprised to learn it's not like a fan favorite uh, by any. Well, I mean, at least from from what from the wiki, it was like it was it was in the bottom half uh, generally of the ranking. It was still rated high, but
0: uh, yeah, five fifty two out of nine hundred ten scorable yeah. songs. Uh, the average rating is seven point nine four, so it's still yeah. almost rated as an eight. Yeah, so I mean, you know, but, but it's a comparatively, it skews high. <laughs> yeah, and
1: I guess, and I guess that makes sense because it's such a simple song, because there's there's so little going on. But it's it's I don't know. It's a, it's probably one of my favorites just because of how quickly like it just grabs you in, in a way that I feel like a lot of a lot of their stuff ha, like doesn't really do as immediately.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's a song that they they bust out a fair amount live. There are two hundred and sixty eight known performances and you know it's just over a minute long so it's an easy one to just like it's it's yeah. good for getting the blood pumping in the crowd you know yeah. and it's a great album opener but also they've used it as a closer which huh. is my segue into this promotional cd that they put out they might be giants live double exclamation point new york city ten fourteen ninety four. this was uh, a recording they did with um electra in 94 94 was when John Henry came out, which was their first uh, album with other humans. Right. Um, but they had hired on these other humans in a uh, 92 to tour on um, the Apollo 18 tour. Don't tread on the cut up snake tour was the name of it. And <laughs> <That's> <laughs> great. And so, yeah. So JD Feinberg was their first drummer. He was only on that tour. He, he didn't make it onto a full album. Um, And then Tony Maimoni, who I talked uh, to, he was the bass player on that tour. Um, But then by the time they recorded this, uh, they were promoting John Henry, but they put on some of these Apollo 18 songs, which I think to kind of show off their human rhythm section on these old songs. So Brian Doherty, who I've also had on the podcast, he was their drummer, uh, then and Tony Maymonet, the bass player. So let's uh, let's let the people listen to this live recording from 1994. I want you to pop it on again, real quick, and yeah. listen to the second verse, if we're calling it the verse. The uh, hear the angels say part, and listen to Tony's bass. <laughs>
1: Okay, yeah, I just listened to what you were referring to. <laughs> that, is, uh, that, is, that is, that is such a. Uh, I keep coming back to ska in this episode. That is, that is such like a ska part. Yeah,
0: he walks like three octaves up and then back down. Yeah, <laughs> the dude is so good, Tony, and um, so this this was done at um. Sony Music Studios, it was done as a promotional thing. It wasn't like a traditional show. They had an audience, and it sounds like a pretty sizable audience from the reaction at the end. Um, But since, you know, since I'm a cool guy and I've got the, uh, you know, I text with these dudes, uh, Tony and Brian, the rhythm section, I texted them last night to ask them, I'm like, dude, you guys kicked ass on that live version of Dig My Grave. Do you have any memories about. That song or that recording. And Brian, uh, the drummer who you're hearing there, um, let's see, I sent him a link to this and he said, wow, it does sound great if I must say so. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. Yeah. Uh, he says, I have few recollections. Uh, however, I do remember that the drum kit was behind large studio baffles. So they, were, they had it mic'd up for sound for the recording probably more than for the audience you know they had you know so that the drums weren't bleeding into everything else he said I was I was in my own cage kind of played the set behind this wall
1: <laughs> yeah, said, I, I, yeah I love this version uh I think I like this better than the studio version honestly um, it is
0: great and again those keyboards in there yeah I, it's, I love it it really makes it pump and the tempo is like yeah a little bit faster 10, 10 15 bpm faster yeah 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 but it sounds like this quote unquote show was almost like he said it was like a tv studio kind of place i said i said, I said so it was like a tmbg sitcom filmed in front of a live studio audience he said yeah kind of
1: i mean yeah have you ever been to one of those uh like live music taping type things uh, like have you ever been i mean you're, you're from the really, like chicago no. area have you ever been to JBTV? Yeah.
0: i have not though i used to watch uh, it back in the day
1: Yeah, yeah i've been there a few times really cool really cool spot
0: So is it, uh, well, he said here it is kind of like when they show that studio audience or whatever, it's like tiered seating. So it wasn't like a crowd up to a stage. Yeah. It was the band down there and then like theater style seating up above it for this. Interesting. But the crowd definitely has a lot of uh, energy. Yeah. So then Tony, the bass player, he said, this song is essential TMBG. He said, it's thrashy, but then that chord change lets us know it's not just punk, it's the Giants. <laughs> this song this song, always made me think of Flans with that screaming guitar, uh, and the guys would not hit it simultaneously vocal-wise, which always made it more exciting sounding to me. And you can't hear that because they double up on it, while well, in the studio version is just Flans, maybe double-tracked, but here Flans and Linnell, they're both like, <gasps> like they're just like, yeah. they're, they're flipping out a little bit on it, they're going for it, and they're not totally in sync, which is... Cool. So thanks, Brian and Tony, for uh, chiming in on that. They were not on the studio recording, but they make this version just kick ass. Yeah. so good. So now let's skip forward. Let's see, from 94 to 2015. Okay, so we're going uh, 21 years ahead uh, to, let's see, this is... This video is a combo of which describes how you're feeling in Dig My Grave at the Music Hall of Williamsburg in Brooklyn, New York, September 27th, 2015. Let's listen to this one. Yeah, uh, you know we forgot to talk about the horns in the first one because here we got a saxophone and in that old one they had like a full horn section. What did you think about jumping back to that first one? Yeah. What do you think about horns covering the string part? Did you like that?
1: I mean, yeah, I think it, it worked really well. I I think uh, it speaks to how uh, natural it sounded. And I don't think I even really noticed that it that they swapped them out. May, maybe I did the first time I listened to. It, I don't remember. Um, yeah, in in contrast to to the. Uh, what nine ninety eight one? seven. Ninety four. Ninety four. Uh yeah. This this I, I feel like this, this 2015 one, especially if you start with the ninety four one, it's just so so much uh I, I wanna say more underwhelming. Is that a, is that a double negative? <laughs> yes, yeah. it's, it's, it's less <laughs> <It's> well. <overwhelming. under, laughs>
0: <laughs> it definitely sounds weaker in comparison. Yeah. I mean uh, being there, people are flipping their shit in the yeah, crowd there. The crowd, you know, the like crowd they got looks the great. lights going, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's it's back to like the original tempo. Yeah. Which after hearing that really really fast one, it makes it sound slow, but really it is more true to the album's tempo. Yeah. And then here you've got just saxophone. I can pretty safely say that that's Stan Harrison who has played a lot for them uh in I mean I guess in the past like 20 years. I mean, he's <laughs> he's probably not in the horn section on that 94 one though I could be wrong. Uh, But he's part of a trio called the Tricera Chops Horns (laughs) who uh, do a lot of the New York stuff uh, with the Giants. They don't usually tour with them, though the trumpet player, Kurt Ram, has. But uh, those New York people, they get a lot more They Might Be Giant shows and they get more extravagant ones with horns, and I'm very jealous. But yeah, Stan Harrison on sax there. What do you think of the sax on this uh, 2015 version?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, kind of kind of added a, a bit more uh, texture to it. But, I mean, I, if I'm going to listen to the live version, I'm going to listen to that old one just because, you know, that just hit me so much harder on, the, on that first listen through. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
0: and the, and the sax sounds great, Um, and it is such a weird part. Like I talked about just the intervals and that, that string part translating to saxophone. It sounds like it's really hard to play just because it's very unnatural choices for the for the the jumps between the notes but yeah uh, i think it sounds cool and the way he kind of squawks it out gives it that kind of it adds to that kind of chaotic feel uh that works for the song but yeah that 94 live version whoo sounds great and i mean you know they're also recording it for audio where this one is just someone's phone (laughs) you know yeah (laughs) and there's some other good live ones out there but i was trying to find the the newest one and that seems to be one of the more recent times that they've played. It was 2015. I mean, they're the kind of band, they have so many goddamn songs. You know, they'll yeah. cycle songs in and out. Um, let's see. If I click on the gnome performances, do we know when it was uh, most recently performed? Oh, they were playing in 2018 a little bit. Oh, this is for, okay. This video we just watched, let's see, September 27th. This was an Apollo 18 full album show. They did the entire album, but it looks like they did it out of order, which is something they like to do. They did every song on the album, but which describes how you're feeling does not come before Dig My Grave, obviously, because Dig My Grave is the first song. But yeah, I guess they did the full album there. Oh, again, these New York people get this kind of cool stuff. (laughs) But uh, Apollo 18 is coming up next year Will be its 30th anniversary They attempted to flood 30th anniversary They got yeah. know, shortened shortened Last year I want Apollo 18 30th anniversary tour next year Come on It's my favorite album of theirs uh, And everyone listening to this is like We know <laughs> Everyone who listens to the podcast Let's take a quick break to hear from one of our podcast friends
3: You like They Might Be Giants, huh? Oh, I hope so, considering the podcast you're listening to Do you want to listen to another podcast where they mention they might be giants almost every episode, and it has nothing to do with that band? Of course you do. Well, then we have the podcast for you. At Bare Naked ABCs, we discuss every Bare Naked Lady song alphabetically. We break down the music, break down the lyrics, discuss other appearances by the band, and just have a fun time in general. But we also have interviews sometimes with people related to the band, such as when we talk to Dave Foley of Kids in the Hall, Harlan Williams, Susan Rogers, and of course, Stephen Page and Andy Cregan from Bare Naked Ladies. So if you like funny, sarcastic, and irreverent humor and music, come listen to us talk about the Canadian They Might Be Giants over at Bare Naked. Hey!
0: Should we move into the covers section? Yeah. Okay. So first, let's check out this one by a guy who goes by Ray Blue, which I would like to believe that's his real name. That would be cool. If it was, it might be. Uh, the <laughs> YouTube channel is Ray Blue 69 Nice. Let's see. I've had covers of his on the show before. I'm trying to remember what song but from the same like album the elm art i recognize yeah uh, did he listen to the show not that i know of yet but um sometimes i like to leave comments on on the covers. sometimes be like i'm playing you on the show sometimes yeah. i forget though but
1: man what other song
0: did we play
1: i look through like the there's there's no clear like list uh like a playlist for this album you just kind of had to go i just had kind of had to go by uh the the thumbnails but there's a ton of songs on this album, and I think that they're all covers. Some of them, only only a few of them actually have the uh, the band in, in parentheses.
0: Um, right, that it's a cover. So he did this in 2010. So this thing's going on 11 years old. So I'm scrolling back. Let's see.
1: Well, it looks like he did Stompbox, too.
0: Okay. That's why this Mart looked so fresh to me. I must have played it on the Stompbox episode. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of Beatles stuff on here. A lot of Beatles stuff. Holy cow! There's a lot of videos with this artwork. Where the- Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ.
1: And I, I think guys. I looked it up, and I couldn't find this anywhere else. I think it's just on YouTube.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure. If, I mean, that looks like album art, but I I love <laughs> I love the album art. It's like him sitting at like a bar table or something. Like you can see his drink in front of him, and it's yeah. just very kind of uh uh. You know, it's not a staged photo. It's just like him in a show or something. Yeah, there's Dig My Grave. Where? I'm still scrolling down. And I haven't even found... Yeah, so maybe it was just Stompbox. Anyway, Ray Blue appearing on the episode once again.
1: What do you think? I don't know. I, I feel like... I, I did want to ask if you if you listened to the show because, I don't know, it, it kind of... Kind of just a straightforward <laughs> cover. It didn't really offer a ton.
0: So if I if I say, yes, he listens to the show, you're going to take it a little easier on him?
1: I'm, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to watch what I say a little bit more. But this, this really wasn't... Eh. He, he, fine. You know,
0: it's a faithful cover. Yeah. Um, I do like, and I always commend when I get covers in the cover section that are multi-tracked, you know, studio... Hmm covers and i love playing you know just a good acoustic guitar cover whatever which he appears to do shit loads of those as well but this one having it's definitely programmed drums but he's got the drum beat pretty well down yeah. um he has for the strings it sounds like a keyboard string setting or something um he comes pretty close on that guitar solo even though like i said it's not like <laughs> like oh i'm gonna tab this out like you're not gonna find tabs for that solo but he comes pretty close to what what flames does on that so i will commend him on that um and you know he gives it his own little vocal
1: yeah that was the one thing that that, that kind of uh was it wasn't too hot on it kind of reminded me of a lot of like like post grunge kind of uh croons
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay all right getting a little too close to like creed style right yeah
1: yeah lot of those bands have some, some decently written songs but uh that's that's a tough thing to uh it, once once you get used to that sound enough and you start to associate that with with the uh with the post crunch style in general it's it's hard to hear it in a positive light
0: <laughs> I, okay I can see that I see that um but yeah he you know he definitely put some effort into this one it's very uh you know well thought out Faithful cover. Um, doesn't take any risks with it, but yeah. you know, nice job there. Ray Blue on YouTube. Let's check out uh Radio Macbeth over yeah. on Bandcamp. That's Radio Macbeth, like uh, uh it's, you know, Shakespeare or whatever the fuck. Radio Macbeth dot dot com. Uh and can you tell me what the name of this album is? How do you pronounce the name of this
1: album that it's on? uh the, the <laughs> <laughs> There's a C R E 3 D P Y. So it's it's some variation on creepy, I think. Uh, yeah, or right?
0: Creep P Creep Creep P. I don't know. Yeah, Creed 3 D P. <laughs> I don't know. I mean cuz on the on the album cover it's got them in 3D glasses and it's kind of yeah. made to look fuzzy like it's 3D. So are you supposed to say the 3D? Yeah,
1: the, and then the they Creed got like 3 D P. They got other they got like another uh, EP called the the Cre e- EP 2Y <laughs> two, two
0: Roman numeral 2. Yeah, Cree and EP then, yeah, Roman originally numeral 2. They have y the, the
1: Cre the Creepy. <laughs> with, with so the Creepy EP, yeah. Okay. The EP capitalized to emphasize the fact that it's an EP. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so so they're playing on their own thing the the Creepy EP <laughs> or the Creepy uh, and then yeah they've got the creepy 2 and the creepy 3D EP or something so this is their the third is it the third
1: covers EP, EP? is that are these all covers EPs uh no i think it's a mix i it, at least when when i was looking through them, it seemed like there was like some original, some covers
0: the original creepy does have 4 out of 5 covers yeah and then the uh creepy 2 red mac goes to hell <laughs> has uh three covers yeah. as well yeah so so on this one which just came out last october they've got they might be giants they've got king gizzard and the lizard wizard cover um looks oh it looks like on this it's just those two but uh let's uh, finally let people listen to this version of dig my grave and as we've talked about them you can see how goofy and bizarre these guys are so maybe you can guess what to expect maybe not Let's check it out. How about that
1: yeah I love this cover um, that, that's, a, that's a good one to go f- to, to transition to from the ray blue one because uh, they definitely took that in their own direction um, <laughs> and uh, had a really uh, unique and interesting take on it I love the the kind of end where they were kind of getting all industrial and stuff with it
0: yeah right <laughs> yeah really it is kind of they do these little breakdowns it's almost like uh, when like a nine inch nails quiet section, right? yeah, every time I you know, like being real sinister about it, yeah it, it's pretty hilarious. I also love that they start it out with something kind of like that guitar solo like right off the bat it goes like all that they they get chaotic, yeah, right off the jump, She's bringing it back solid take on it. Uh, I mean, tempo wise, it's about the same as the original, but they definitely, they, it's all overblown. Like even the drums sound distorted.
1: Yeah. I, I went and like checked out some of their other stuff just because I thought they had like a really cool sound and, uh, they got some really cool originals too. They're on like, you know, most streaming services it looks like. And, uh, yeah, cool, 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 uh, little art project look here.
0: Yeah. Radio Macbeth. It sounds yeah. like these dudes are having fun. They're in uh, yeah. Oregon, it looks like. Yeah. Darian Campo and uh, De- Declan Hurdle, I think. Yeah. Either way. Cool duo. Yeah. Nice job, dudes. And then this last one, I just sent you this MP3. This one I don't believe is on streaming anywhere. This is a recording, uh, a live recording of my friends, The Shakeups. And The Shakeups, uh, I share a drummer with them. Steve Hankley, outdoor Valor's drummer. He is the drummer in the shakeups who are an Indianapolis and Lafayette based, um, power pop band who basically just do whatever they think is fun. And, and what I mean by that is that they are like, they might be giants and that they have adult music and they have kids music. Um, but their kids music has gotten them a lot more <laughs> success than their adult music. Uh, For example, they have three full lengths with songs based on My Little Pony, (laughs) and they play like the pony conventions and shit, and like make a lot of money, like in San Diego once a year or whatever. Um, They've done songs about like Steven Universe. They've done songs about Scooby Doo um and then they've also had some adult albums i I think they've they've focused on the kids stuff a lot recently because uh it's gotten in some notoriety and uh yeah they've done really well for themselves and they're super fun i've only seen them live doing kids stuff at like a street festival here but it's it's super fun and the kids love it and they bring like balloons and hula hoops and all this kind of stuff and the kids go nuts Uh, but they are you know a power pop band definitely in uh their their thinking and this was a show on uh, around Halloween at the Melody Inn in Indianapolis. It was a uh, covers band show where each band did a full set by another band. Um, uh, who did he say else was on this show? I mean, I, it, is there a Misfits cover band? Isn't there always a Misfits cover band at a <laughs> Halloween show? Uh, let me see. Uh, there was a Weezer cover band, a Willie Nelson cover band, a New Order cover band, and a Rod Stewart cover band. Uh-huh. And they were a They Might Be Giants cover band. And they did a lot of the big hits, but this one, for being a little deeper cut, I suppose, they figured it was Halloween. Gotta do Dig My Grave. So let's let the people listen to the shakeups live uh, doing Dig My Grave. I want to play this song live
1: now. Yeah, that that was one of the things that like I was realizing when when listening to their cover in particular is how how much this song lends itself to the live presentation and that's a kind of, kind of part of why I was so underwhelmed by that 2015 one because especially when you hear it coming out of another song and it it just, you know, it 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 has the potential to to be this kind of show-stopping number to really kind of spice up the the live set and I think that that this version uh, that we just listened to the shakeups version really kind of capitalizes on, on that energy. And, and uh, I love how much they, they speed up at the end. It's like a little bit faster, but then at, at the end, I feel like they, they definitely take it uh, a bit more extreme than, than the original version.
0: I think my favorite part is the way they do the, that guitar solo in the middle instead of like going straight up the neck and just kind of mashing down, it's almost like this kind of sliding element. Yeah. So they got those hits, the dent. So dun, uh, dun, uh, dun, uh, dun, uh, it just keeps sliding. Like it's kind of smoother slide up, which uh, I got a kick out of that when I first heard that. Awesome. The Shakeups. you can find them at theshakeups.net. And uh, all over other places. I'm sure all the stuff's on Spotify, too. Uh, not that song, though. But I think for this cover section, I'll be able to play the covers in full because they are all only just barely over a minute. So, uh, yeah, so there it is. It's the only place you can hear, folks. The audio taken from a video camera <laughs> in a 2018 Halloween show. Uh, it, when I was searching for covers, man, so, the, I mean, other than getting that Jacob's one at the last second, those other two were the only ones I could find online, but this song was a hard one to Google. And what kept coming up was other songs by stupid bands, like Five Finger Death Punch has a song called "Digging My Own Grave." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, let's see who else. I feel like someone else might have a song called D- uh, "Dig My Own Grave" or "Dig." I I don't know, but like uh, Bandcamp search features are kind of weird and sometimes if you put like dig my grave cover or tmbg dig my grave or they might be giants dig my grave like stuff won't pop up and you j- like just got to put in the song title but for this then everything with the word grave in it or whatever was popping up i listened to so many weird songs or at least like five seconds of so many weird songs just trying to see if like is this one of the might be giants cover yeah. is this one of They might be giants cover nope
1: yeah, I'm just, just I'm just that. looking through Spotify. We got the uh Newfound Glory, Dig My Own Grave. We got uh There you go. Uh, yeah, there's so there's so many songs that incorporate all those words that like just everything comes up.
0: Yeah, it was a little tough. But I I, I feel like I was pretty thorough and just found the yeah. We got three for you, which I think is a decent yeah. s cover section for one that's not a uh like a greatest hits they might be giant song but i do think we are to that point in the show where you need to score this song yeah uh so you're scoring it against other they might be giant songs and for a dude who's not a completist i guess there's not as much to you know score it uh, yeah against. There's, there's not much but. to
1: score it against but there are definitely songs that uh i i definitely have have a a, a good perspective on uh mm-hmm. And so the gen the general discography this is one of one of my favorites, but there there are definitely songs that I love more um and it's definitely not the kind of most creative song in in their in their uh, repertoire um I just want to make sure that i I rate it above whatever it was on on the wiki, so I'm just gonna give it an eight just a just a flat eight
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> sure, all right what am I giving this song um I'm gonna go. Quite, well, I mean this this song. Like I said, due to its importance in getting me into the band, I feel boosted quite a bit. And just, I mean, it was like that perfect teaser for me, where it's like, "You're a punk kid, huh? Here's uh, here's a punk song, and then here's all this other stuff." <laughs> so, very important song to me. Uh, yeah, it's it's very short, it's very simple, but it's still a "They Might Be Giants" song. It's like it's "They Might Be Giants." Showing their punk influence. It's not They Might Be Giants just like, here, we're going to play a punk song. They definitely made it a giant song. Um, I'm going to go... <sighs> mm. You know what? I think I'm going to go 8 as well. Just flat 8. Yes, I think it's got to hit that eight, that 8 mark just for its sheer importance to me personally. Now, the plug section. Let's play a uh brian c stars song off brian c stars dot bandcamp.com let's yeah. play one that that uh i recorded for you guys what song should we play off of the self-proclaimed wisest man on earth See, album?
1: at this point i don't i don't know what my favorite one i mean my favorite song on that album is probably the the uh extremely long one the one that takes forever to uh to to really get going so that probably wouldn't be uh the, western the best, skies i uh,
0: mean yeah
1: yeah western skies is probably probably my my favorite on there um what's more immediate for the people what do you think i'd say i really like uh hancock maryland that's that's a cool one it's got a lot of energy and it's got some some cool drumming that i i always loved uh love playing
0: all right here it is brian c stars and uh you can buy this thing at brian c com. hancock maryland Would you like to uh, plug any of your other stuff you got going on? Yeah. Um, How, however, however active or inactive it may be.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the one band that I am in that is very active, that we're, we're, we're doing stuff uh, these days, uh, we just released – I'm in a band called Life Looks Good. I'm also drumming in that band. And uh, we released a song called Sweet uh, at the beginning of the year, January 1st. Uh, and, yeah, it's sound, I think it sounds, sounds, really, uh, sounds really good. Should, Should I climb a little bit off? of that? Yeah. Yeah, that would where, uh, uh Where can we find this? It's uh, available everywhere. Uh, Bandcamp, uh, Spotify, YouTube. Life looks good. Yeah.
0: There it is. Sweet. So let's hear it. the uh, the album art on this is very very much reminding me of the promise ring nothing feels good
1: yeah i uh when when i i did like the the kind of treatment of it but uh when when that was sent through uh i was immediately like oh yeah you mean like nothing feels good and i think the other members <laughs> of the band were like oh yeah sure
0: <laughs> oh come on don't tell me they don't know promise ring uh,
1: i think they That's have a, they, they have a passing uh passing interest
0: Davey Von Bull, and also They Might Be Giants fan. I haven't yeah. been able to get him on the pod. I I feel like I can make it happen because I got connections to the dude. But, yeah. I mean, he he drops TMBG references on his guest spot on Jimmy Eat World's praise chorus. Yeah, He says, don't, song. don't, don't let's start. Yeah.
1: I didn't realize that was a They Might Be Giants reference.
0: Yep. Don't let's start, baby. Um, It's too weird a phrase to not be a reference to that. It <laughs> is a reference to that. Yeah. All right, dude. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, people should go and check out uh, Sean's stuff. Yeah, and, and then I've also um, got
1: a. I've got one more thing. Oh, that there's I more. Guess, yeah, I've got I've got one more. I'll I'll just try to sneak in here. Uh, I've got a solo Do project it. that I'm doing called the Clusterfuck Theory. I haven't been doing a ton <laughs> yeah. with it recently, but I put out an album. Well, it's not last year anymore. It was in 2019. It was in the fall of 2019. Uh, that's that's available everywhere. That I'm pretty proud of. And these days, uh, I. I'm attempting to. I haven't been keeping up with it, but I, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to just get into more of a habit of uh, of just writing stuff and and putting it together and releasing it. So I'm I'm trying to release uh, 53 songs over the course of the year, and we'll see how that goes. I haven't been yeah. I've been keeping up <laughs> as much as I'd like to, but uh, I'm gonna try to try to record some stuff tonight for that. So.
0: Yeah. yeah the clusterfucktheory.bandcamp.com I see the album 53 songs it's got three yeah. so you're on your it's, way it's got,
1: it's, got th- it's got three songs on it two of them are, are covers uh, I've been doing a yeah, lot so of stuff for the Vampire Weekend cover yeah mm-hmm. for the 155 podcast they've been doing some some cool stuff where they, they just like announce a song and they're like you got two days to cover it and uh, can. <laughs> so I've been doing a bunch of stuff for that um,
0: cool yeah, that's theclusterfucktheory.bandcamp.com. Yeah, dude. It was so great to catch up with you. It's been yeah. so long. I mean, had there not been a quarantine, I feel like I could have ended up in Chicago for something or other and could yeah. have hooked up again, but it's been... Um It's been dumb out there in the world, you know. People are dumb and things are dumb. Uh, But, uh, yeah, man, it was good to catch up and talk about some uh, They Might Be Giants with you.
2: Yeah.
0: All right, dude. So, And we'll have you on again for On the Drag. I won't make you wait two more years for that one. But we'll we'll space it out a little bit. Yeah.
2: For sure.